Welcome to For the Love of Books, a podcast by Culture at NL Libraries. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Culture NL Libraries podcast For the Love of Books. My name is Chris Wilson, the e-services librarian, and we are celebrating Libraries Week this week. So this episode is called Show Some Library Love. And we will be joined later on by crime author Elizabeth Haynes, who will give us a little bit of thoughts on what she thinks about libraries and also some more background on her books. But to give you a little bit of background on Library Week itself, the theme this year is Your Passport to Reading. So online we have been highlighting some of our services and we'd also like to remind you that we are in the middle of our reopening at the moment for our libraries. To find out the latest information on that, go to culturenl.co.uk slash covid-19-liviesnl and you'll find out all the latest information about what we're doing with reopening our libraries. We also do still have our online services as well, such as Borrowbox, and we've also had some been in contact with some authors who have given us a little quote about what libraries have meant to them and we've been posting them out online as well. But the main part of this episode will be our interview with Elizabeth Haynes. So without further ado, we'll go straight into that. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome to our podcast, Elizabeth. Thank you very much for agreeing to be part of us today. It's very much a pleasure that you've come, come along and joined us today. So thank you for joining us for this. Um, for our listeners, I'll give a wee bit of a kind of intro to you and kind of a wee bit of background. So, Elizabeth, you're kind of probably best known, I would say, for for your crime novels, um, in the most part, um, yeah. such as Into the Darkest Corner, Behind Closed Doors, and Human Remains. I think you're up to seven books now in total that's been published. Is that right? And, I, and I think that is. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm sort of at the point now where I feel like I'm losing kind of track a little bit. Cause, forgot. <laughs> yeah, but, no, that sounds right. Uh, the last one was the murder of Harriet Monkton, and you could do have a, a new book come out next year as well. Is, is yes. that right? Yeah. Yes, I do. Are we allowed to announce the name of the new book, or, or is that? Still we right? are. Yes, yeah. we can talk about it now. It's official. So uh, it's called You, Me, and the Sea, which um, we'll talk about a little bit more about later okay. on, I'm sure as well. Um, and um, do you have been a big um, part of what we've done over the last few years as well. You have visited Mother Library in 2015. I think the last time we spoke, I got that wrong and said it was earlier than that, but it was in 2015 <laughs> for the Encounters uh, Festival. And also last year, we, we you were part of a live stream for Book Week Scotland that we did as well, which was fantastic. That's right. That was great fun. I enjoyed yeah. that very much. And now here we are moving on to a new platform as well on a podcast. So it's all fantastic. So uh, welcome and um, thank you for coming and being part of it. Um, so thank I think you for having me. I do I do really appreciate yeah. it. Actually, I'm always I'm I'm always up for any sort of bookish chat, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to have it and 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 it's always very insightful things as well so hopefully our, our kind of listeners and and their library members get something out of it as well which is which is the whole point of the whole entire thing so um, i thought i'd start off and just kind of talk about a little bit about obviously everyone has been living in very strange times recently um how have you been surviving with lockdown and um and has it kind of inspired you to Get, kind of get on with it any kind of writing and or being creative in any way while you've been kind of stuck in the home and um, not being able to get out and about as, as much as what we normally would sure 
Um, I've been in a, a, a position of immense privilege, I have to say, really, because uh, where I live, I've, I've got plenty of, I'm very rural here, so I've got plenty of opportunity to just go out for walks just from my door, which has, has been great. Um, my life hasn't actually changed all that much through lockdown, other than doing shopping for lots of people um, twice a week. Um, I've, I've been actually really quite productive. And this is, this is thanks to the arrival of super fast fibre broadband in our village, which arrived at just the right moment, because honestly, I don't know how we would have coped with my husband working from home. He's a software developer and my son um, allegedly doing college work, but also spending time on the Xbox. <laughs> so all three of us at home using the Internet. And thank goodness we've we've been able to do that, really. Mm. Um, I've, I've been really quite productive, you know, um, to my own surprise. And uh, I thought I was the sort of person who could really only write in coffee shops with other people around. But it turns out, thanks to the magic of the Internet, I can work perfectly well at home and save myself a lot of money <laughs> as well. Um, there have been some great websites that have really helped me with that. And I'd, I'd like to give them a little mention, actually, for those people who, mm. who are still working from home and struggling a little bit. There's a great website called focusmate.com. I don't know if you've heard of it. No. Um, but you, you get matched with a random stranger somewhere else in the world via webcam. And you, you work for 50 minutes without interrupting each other. And then you come together at the end and say how you did. And wow. whilst a lot of people will be going, oh, no, that's like my worst nightmare is somebody seeing my office. And if you could see my office now, I know we're not on video, um, but it's really messy. Um, but for me, just having the accountability of having another person there has, has made all the difference. So actually, I've, I've been really good. I've done quite a lot of work to my own surprise. I mean, it definitely has been a, a different way of working, I think, for, for most people over the last little while. I mean, I know personally I have, it's been a, a very strange situation for, for library staff to be working from home and how we kind of dealt with that. And, and it, but, it, but it has, like you say, everyone I think has found ways around it and, and, and whether it's been kind of by, with upgrades to technology or just kind of finding a way how to, like you say, focus on things, it's, it's definitely kind of, people have just, has somehow managed to figure it out and work it and, and get it to get it to work for them which is fantastic yeah. Yeah. yeah look how look how we've all changed i mean everything has changed so dramatically in the last six months and you know it's been it's been good for some people and awful absolutely awful for lots of other people of course but yeah. we're just working our way through as best we can yeah yeah and i think that's all we can do really to be honest yeah, yeah you just have to go for it so the the, the big thing about this podcast is that we are putting it out um, during Libraries Week. So this will be Libraries Week when it, when it goes out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to just get a little bit of your thoughts on the importance of libraries to, to you as both a kind of library member kind of in your local area and also to libraries in general as, as you for you as a writer as well. So how, how important to, to you as libraries as a kind of library member? What, what's the importance of that for you? Well, his, historically, libraries have, without um, without wishing to overemphasise this, libraries have really been responsible for my entire career. Because if I hadn't had libraries growing up, Seaford Library in Sussex, where I grew up, and the the books that I was allowed to read there, and the Saturdays I was allowed to spend there reading. I, I certainly wouldn't have a career as a writer now. So from the word go, libraries have been really important to me. But now, I mean, just talking about lockdown in particular, 
through Norfolk Libraries, which is where I live, um, I've been able to carry on doing research through the British Newspaper Archive um, and they've, our library's got free access to find my past at the moment till the end of September um, and hundreds of other free, free access to websites that would otherwise have paid content. So the, the, the doors opened to archives for me has, has been fantastic. Um, but also the sense of library communities, I think, is continuing because so many people like yourself, are, librarians are continuing to work from home and reaching out to the, the communities that would otherwise be very isolated at this time. So yeah. um, it's been it's been incredible, really. Yeah, it, it has been a, a kind of very challenging time, I think, to try and keep services going. And, and it has been good to, to see um, that various companies have kind of helped out uh, here, here in, in North Lancashire we've had um, uh, we, we have access to to ancestry rather than find my past and and it's and you whereas we used to have that access in our libraries there has been a kind of it's not quite the same access at, at, uh, remotely at home for, for customers but the, but we do still have a kind of sort of offering for it so it's been it's been kind of yeah it's it's the kind of things like that that have kind of been able to kind of really keep things going and and just kind of finding ways round about things and earlier this year like um we were just talking before we started recording about how we did do a, a kind of learning week at the start of, near the start of lockdown and things like that sort of stuff where we had people come to kind of online sessions and things and it's just been finding different ways how to go about things and, and offer things which has been fantastic and of course um, me being the e-service li librarian, I can't help but plug um, our e-library service and, and, and Borrowbox and how important that's been mm -hmm. to kind of be, still be able to offer um, books to borrow for, to, for people um, in, in both e-book e and e-audiobooks as well. So it's been kind of great from, from our point of view from that, being able to continue to offer that kind of thing. So. It's incredible, isn't it, really? If you just think, you know, 10, 15 years ago, such a yeah. thing would have been absolutely unthinkable that yeah. we would all be in lockdown, but we could still borrow books from the library via um, the e-services. It's just, it's just, it's just a little bit mind-blowing when you stop and think about it, it. It really is. I mean, that's like, we, we have had the, those kind of chats before as well about how if this had happened just even even just from from a technology technology point of view of people not having things like smartphones and tablets and things like that to actually download these things onto and things like that as well because they have became so kind of um almost like a standard in in, in society for, for for a good amount of people um that it's became something that that, that we can then kind of offer in difficult times like this, so it has been a very mm -hmm. interesting time in that from that front. How have um, how have, how have libraries been for you in terms of a writer? So so what's the, what's been the importance for from libraries to, as, and from kind of looking at it from an author point of view um, in general? Well, one big one, and this this might sound a little bit trite, but it stops me spending my entire money on books because I can look books up 
order them um, from whichever library these books happen to be. And by this, I'm talking research books, really, yeah. rather than yeah. rather than fiction books, because I will still happily spend money on those as well as borrowing <laughs> them from the library. Um, but for research books in particular, for historical research, it's really easy to just buy books um, either from the cover or whatever, because you think it sounds like that's the exact book you need for your topic. And when you when you get it home, actually, it's either really out of date or it's it's just written in a way that isn't accessible for your needs or whatever. So what I tend to do is borrow the books from the library first. Um, and if they are the book that becomes crucial to my research, then obviously I will go out and buy them. But um, that has made such a difference, you know, and I, I was I was doing an online course earlier this week and I one one of my top tips for historical research is get your books from the library and don't spend all your money on books that you might <laughs> never use. Um, so, yes, from a from a writer's point of view, uh, having libraries there and having the ability to order books from other libraries for transfer over has, has been um, uh brilliant absolutely brilliant yeah yeah i mean uh I, I've, I'm, I'm not a writer myself but uh, but but even just thinking about from the kind of point of view of, of sort of non-fiction books in general i mean they are, they are expensive books to buy and and that and and they can i mean that whenever i was doing um, my librarian degree some of the some of the books that i had to get for that they, for the, they were a fortune online to buy so, mm. so being able to get them from library services and it's, it's not just that Chris as well the the other important thing to to point out is the services of the librarians themselves because when you get a chance to speak to a librarian and say what you're researching the recommendations you then get um, are incredibly useful I mean it's much better than just trying to find your way from if you liked this book then you'll like this book and there's the suggestions of what you think you might need. If you actually speak to a librarian, the, the level of knowledge and um, and um, expertise there is is what you you can't get on your own as a writer. You know, you need someone else to be able to say, oh, actually, I think you should read this book. And I know we've spoken about this before, but when I was researching Harriet a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. visiting the libraries and the archives in researching that, made speaking to the actual librarians made phenomenal difference to my research and the books they were able to recommend for me um you know change the course of the research and change the course of the book so you need real people there as well as just the the technology yeah uh -huh, definitely definitely um and um I've always found you to be a quite a big supporter of libraries in terms of like, like say, we, I mean, this is this is now the the, the kind of third um, event or or activity, yeah. if you like, that that we've been involved in um, doing uh, together over the years. Um, is that something you made a kind of conscious decision of to kind of of, me, of doing to kind of be a big supporter of libraries whenever you were became a, a writer, or or is it just kind of sort of been quite natural to kind of be kind of be sort of involved in libraries in, in some way? I think the, the problem is that libraries are under threat and I think we will only know how valuable libraries are if the worst happens and we lose them. And libraries sadly have been closing um, around the country and it really needs to stop because libraries are not just about books, they're about the community, they're about mental health, they're about looking after the people that they serve. And that is such a valuable resource that's overlooked. So from my point of view, yes, from a personal level, 
I've always supported libraries because I valued that start I had in life where when I was younger I certainly couldn't afford books and I was lucky to get books as presents at Christmas and if I asked mm -hmm. for them but to be able to go into a library and nobody to question me sitting there for hours on end reading <laughs> you know this is this is something I'll be forever grateful for and now as a writer even more so because librarians are tremendously supportive of me and and my books and to be able to go into a library and see my books on the shelf and and know that they've or even see online how many times they've been checked out you know this mm. is <laughs> going back to technology again um i I'm, I'm grateful for librarians and i'm grateful for libraries and i will never stop supporting them and um campaigning as best i can <laughs> if there's a sniff of a threat of a closure i will be all over that Fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, it's <coughs> obviously, like you say, it has been kind of difficult times recently for, for libraries throughout the whole of the UK. Um, and and being a, li a librarian myself, I do think that we are very valuable. And Libraries Week is a great opportunity for us to kind of highlight that and, and, and kind of show support for, for libraries um, as much as we can and, and highlight what we do do for, for our local communities. And and how they can kind of access our services and things like that. So it's so it's a libraries week is a great week to kind of be able to kind of find out more about your library and, and kind of we, we will be we have been and will be posting throughout the week about kind of the services that we offer and things like that sort of stuff. So hopefully people have picked up on that and and we'll be able to kind of kind of get something from our, the local library service throughout the, the kind of the weekend and and beyond um, from that. So that that's hopefully it'll kind of help. Kind of yes, I will, be, I will be tweeting as well. I will tweet <laughs> for a library week. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Um, and so, okay, let, let's move on a little bit on to, to you a little bit now that we've kind of kind of spoke about libraries for a little while. So let, let's focus on you and your writing a little bit more. So, um, as you know, I'm a huge fan of um, Into the Darkest Corner. Um, Lee is a fantastic bad guy, um, and um, I think I've been holding out hope for a, for a while about the potential of a, of a direct sequel to the book. Is there any chance of, of Catherine making an appearance back at, at any point, or, or, or is it kind of pretty much a one-off novel, do you think? Well, for you know, for many years I was I was asked that question, and I would always say my my very glib answer would be, "Oh, I think I've put them through enough now. I'll, I'll leave them <laughs> in peace." But you know what? Never say never. There's there's something about characters that stay with you, and there are some books that that invite the possibility of a sequel. And you know, before too long, it would be very interesting to to see how Catherine's getting on now, and Lee potentially is. Um, you know, potentially he might still be in prison, but he might not be. So I, I would say there's always a possibility. I should also point out that it's actually Into the Darkest Corner's 10th anniversary next year. So that would oh, be a wow. really good time for a sequel, wouldn't it? 10 yeah. years. Yeah. Wow. If I'm going to do it, it'll have to happen reasonably soon, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a fantastic novel. I, I, I've... Uh, I, I still recommend it to people now. Um, in fact, actually, I recommended it to somebody just the other day. Actually, <laughs> um, whenever whenever they asked me about about something, um, and and because it, it's just it's such a, a well written novel, it kind of caught me from from like you know, the very first pages, and, and that way it kind of flip flops back between kind of the sort of part that uh, Catherine's past and and the kind of present and how different she is as a character um, in between, and you kind of just get absorbed into thinking how. What what's happened to her to kind of kind of 
some major yeah. change so, so dramatically. So it's, it's, it's a fantastic book. Thank um, you, Chris. Made yeah. my day, that has. <laughs> <laughs> and your last novel um, was, as, as I mentioned earlier, was um, The Murder of Harriet Moncton. Um, and that was your first visit into kind of historical fiction, I think. Yes. I, I think, yeah. Um, how big a change was that from was that for you as a writer? Um, and will do you think you'll visit the kind of historical fiction again in the in the future? Do you think would that be something you'd be interested? Yeah, in? it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I'm not a historian. I always I always preface any discussion of Harriet with with saying that, and and I think the 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 nature of the story was that I had to write it. So it was based on a true unsolved murder from 1843 that I found in the archives by accident when I was looking at something else entirely. And when I realized that nobody else had written this story, um, it felt like too good an opportunity to pass up. So I've fictionalized Harriet's story with as much of the fact in there as I possibly can. So it did involve an awful lot of historical research, which I like to say I sort of fumbled through it, you know, not knowing what I was doing. But I had a tremendous amount of support, as I mentioned before, from the librarians and the archivists that I met. And actually, I think it's one of the books I'm most proud of, really, because it, I, my aim was, with it was for Harriet not to be forgotten and for her name yeah. to be remembered all these years later after her death, given that nobody was ever arrested for her murder. Um, and I'm, I like to think that's what I've done. So... It was blinking hard work, but you know, I really enjoyed it because it, I sort of had a real reason to get that story out there. And um, I'm, I'm still very involved in the sort of historical side of things with Harriet's story. And there is another story lurking there that I, I, I've mentioned a couple of times where when I was researching Harriet, I came across another story linked to it, quite separate, but with, a, with the same character involved in something else. Oh and this is something I've been working on researching for a long time and it's it's hard to know the way to do a story. I think from a writing point of view, one of the hardest decisions you have to make is who's going to tell the story? How am I going to narrate this? What's the structure going to be? And you never know until you, you sometimes have to have several goes at trying out different voices until you get the one that works. It was the same with Into the Darkest Corner, you know, because doing a past present narrative with the same character is unnecessarily complicated I think yeah. some people would say but the, the structure is such a fundamental part of that book and it was the same for Harriet and it's the same for this other historical book because it's it's so different I just don't know if I'm going to perhaps do it as um, narrative non-fiction instead so it might actually be my first non-fiction book because mm. why not you know yeah. <laughs> I keep swapping genres if I'm going to do history let's try something different but I haven't started that yet the research is all there I just haven't started so I don't know yet yeah fantastic well, that, that sounds very interesting and it'll be very interesting just because because of the link back to that novel as well it can have an, another book even if it is kind of a sort of non-fiction book rather than a fiction book it'll yeah. be interesting just to have that it's kind of link. actually um I, I I did quite an extensive afterword to that book, explaining how I'd found Harriet's documents and what which bits I'd fictionalised and which bits were the truth and the other things I'd found out, all the things that I couldn't really pack into the main novel. I had quite a long, as I say, afterward. And I, I've in the reviews for the book and lots of people afterwards have told me that that was almost the best bit, you know, finding out the, tr the tr truth with the yeah. fiction and how I'd done it and things like that. So I'm really reasonably encouraged that I can 
you know expand what would be an afterword into an entire book for this mm. new one and just explain what happened you know and tell the story that way so yeah. we'll see we'll see fantastic no it certainly sounds very interesting so we'll we'll keep our eyes out for that one i'm sure in the coming the coming coming years maybe um but um as we mentioned earlier on you do have a new novel coming out next yes. year uh, early next year i believe um, you, Me and the Sea, and it is a different genre again for you. So do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Um, is. It is. Reveal a few secrets, maybe. <laughs> I think, well, this is literally, Chris, the first time I've talked about this book in public. Oh, wow. So you have an absolute exclusive on You, Me and the Sea. Fantastic. Um, so let's hope I don't say anything daft or give too much away <laughs> or whatever. But anyway, it's... Um, it's a love story for a change. There's no murder and there's no violence death well no there's no there's no murder anyway um there's certainly some dark thoughts and strong emotions in it but this one is a pure love story and it's set on an isolated scottish island with a lighthouse and plenty of seabirds and two people who are thrown together um and both have a history and have to find a way of healing each other on this scottish island that's that's sort of what it's about <laughs> yeah it sounds fantastic and of course the fact that it's set in scotland is perfect for for north Archer readers because because yes. i think scottish readers always do like to prefer a, a book with a little bit of scottish a scottish connection in there so so i'm sure that that book will do pretty well up here i'm pretty sure I love Scotland and um, you know I've had a couple of little research visits I visited in the past on holiday of course but this is this is something different and uh, and I feel immensely privileged that the people of Scotland don't mind me writing about <laughs> so I hope I've I hope I've done them uh, done that justice yeah no I think I'm sure it'll be fantastic and is there a, is there a kind of expected release date for that or rough, like a roughly... yeah it's uh it's I think it's coming out on the 18th of February next year fantastic so I wish it could be a kind of a nice with it being a love story a kind of nice late valentine's present for for someone I think that's the idea actually I think that's part of the plan it's like we don't want to release it this year not that it's kind of really that ready yet but we don't want to release it this year because of the backlog from the lockdown there's an awful lot of books coming out this uh, this autumn And it would it would probably get a little bit swamped there, but if we leave it for a little while and and you know just around Valentine's Day and the book starts is uh, the it's set sort of the beginning of uh, April, end of March, beginning of April. So you're sort of reading it around the right time of year if you get it then if it's released. Yeah, then. yeah, fantastic. Um, we'll definitely have to watch out for that one coming out, I'm sure. Um, and the other big thing, obviously, like I say, it's Libraries Week, but the other big thing that's kind of coming up, which I all, all, always associate with you a little bit, is NaNoWriMo, which is yes. you know, in November, I think, is that right? Yep, yeah, that's right. Um, and um, I, I always associate it with you because cause you're like the biggest advocate I know of, of it. Yes. <laughs> um, I always, always kind of, we've talked about this a few times and stuff like that. Do you want to kind of give it, people or our listeners a wee bit of an insight into a little bit more about NaNoWriMo and yeah. and, and what's happening with it this year? Because obviously well, that will be kind of a little bit affected probably with um, the, the kind of lockdown things as well so you want to give, give our listeners a little kind of it, will. it feels like there's opportunities there as well though you know I mean so yeah. um, Rimo or National Novel Writing Month the web, the web address is nanorimo.org. Um, it is an annual challenge to write 50,000 words in the month of November. So it's for those people who've always wanted to write a novel and never had a reason to do it. 
um, this is now your opportunity. And I have participated in NaNoWriMo every year since 2005. Um, all of my books, apart from Harriet, which you know I mentioned was a bit more complicated, but all of mm. my books have been written during November and they've all gone, well, they haven't all gone on to be published because I've got loads of extra ones cooking around. <laughs> but anyway, all of my published books were written in November apart from Harriet. And it's a tremendous opportunity to just get over that hurdle of starting to write and thinking it's not good enough because it doesn't have to be good. You just have to write it. And usually um, around the world, there are NaNoWriMo regions where you can get together with other writers and writing company and coffee shops. You can get stickers, you can encourage each other and do little word sprints where you write for 20 minutes or whatever and see how your word counts looking at the end of it. Um, it's tremendously encouraging and it's actually still taking place this year, but it's all pretty much online. So some regions may well have in-person events, but that's at the discretion of the, the local region and depends on their circumstances. Yeah. From our point of view, all of our meetings are now going to be online, which on the one hand um, is is a little bit sad because we these are my friends, you know, we know each other really well and we yeah. always enjoy November and writing together. But on the other hand, there's an opportunity for lots of people who, for, for reasons of timing or where they were geographically, have not been able to participate with, with other writers before. Now they can. So I'm expecting there's going to be vast amounts of people who've never done it before, perhaps who are working from home and spending the time maybe that they would usually be spending on commuting yeah. maybe they could be spending it on writing a novel so yeah. i'm i'm as always this time of year tremendously excited at the thought of all those baby novels just waiting to be bought <laughs> uh, as, as you know we, we've talked about it a little bit before about how i have i have dipped my toe in, in the waters of trying to write a book a little bit and, yes. and every year it comes to an end rhymo <clears throat> i always think that right this is the time when i should add to it and I end up adding like maybe like, I don't know, 500 words to it. <laughs> so maybe the time I'm like yeah. 80. <laughs> this this feels a bit a like whole, your year though, Chris. Well, it this this feels like your year. I it think this be. is the year that it might happen. Yeah, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. I have been kind of trying to think about how we can maybe kind of link it into some kind of like library-related connectivity, but um, that's still in my head and trying to kind of see if we can work something out for that. So we'll see what happens if, if I can kind of figure that out. But um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely it's, it sounds like it's been a very a very productive event for a lot of people. Certainly, you like say with, with yes. all your novels, other than the Harry Mockton one being written during that one. So it's definitely kind of a big month for uh, for getting creative with with writing and and like you say these, these baby novels. If you describe them, it's a fantastic <laughs> a fantastic way of describing it. Um, kind of uh, kind of getting kind of released in, into the world and um, and kind of growing from there so yeah it'll be interesting yeah. to see and i wonder how many of them might be inspired by pandemics this year it'll be interesting <laughs> that's gonna be yeah problem. we're waiting for the first pandemic novels although all the, the novels previously that were were written about pandemics have suddenly um gotten up surgeons, haven't they so yeah. it makes me think that actually the world does want to read about pandemics yeah. when a lot of people say oh no we don't want to read about it if we're no, living it it's, yeah, it's a funny thing because we I, I've, <clears throat> I had a, a podcast um, earlier in the year with the, the staff, some of the staff from Borabox, our, our e-book service, 
and and they were saying that that they expected kind of maybe some sort of like light-hearted um, escapism books to kind of be the top charts and things like that. But it's still the good old murder books that people still, <laughs> still want to regard. Never mind the, the the fact that we're all kind of stuck in lockdown. So it'll be interesting to see if if that kind of pandemic yeah. type thing does really take off. And I I can I can see it certainly inspiring people to write stuff um, for sure. The fact that we've been kind of stuck in lockdown for quite a while and things. And, and I mean, it has been such a dramatic thing and a big life changing thing for a lot of people. <clears throat> Um, so I would imagine it will kind of be the, the inspiration for 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 writer, some writers out there for sure. For I think it will, yes. Yeah. And on that one, what does the future hold for 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 you, Elizabeth? You kind of hinted there, obviously, about the potential of a of a non-fiction novel. Is as if the, the kind of current focus completely on the new novel coming out next year, or is there kind of like any other sort of things bubbling away in the background that you? Oh, that's a that's a really interesting and very timely question. So I'm on the proofread, the final proofread for You, Me and the Sea. It's literally here next to me, um, which will be finished this week. Mm-hmm. So once that's finished, my responsibility, aside from talking about it, is over and I am free to write something new. So this is always the point at which I'm like, well, what am I going to do next? And I do have, I think I will... Um, you know, work on the the re- historical research again, but also I've got an idea for a plot for November, um, which will not require very much research, but potentially has got the potential to be a lockdown novel, you know, because it's going to be set in a, um, a block of flats. And it would be really interesting to put those characters into a situation where they couldn't actually go outside. So they were all stuck in the flat. So I'm toying with that idea. Um, but whatever happens, there will be a novel written in November and it may be awful or it may be worth writing. <laughs> we'll see. Um, and we'll go from there. But yes, hopefully it won't be too long before I've got another, another uh, book to work on. Fantastic, fantastic. <coughs> well, um, before my throat gives out uh, uh, for for some reason, you all right um, over there. yeah, just about, just about. Um, uh, I'll I'll, uh, I'll kind of say thank you for for coming along to our podcast today, um, Elizabeth. That's that's the end of all my questions. So it's just been, it's been a pleasure as always to kind of get the chance chance to chat with you and and hear a little bit more about your forthcoming book um, and and your thoughts on, on libraries in general for Libraries Week and things like that. So it's been a fantastic pleasure to get a chance to kind of chat to you again. Um, Thanks, and, and hopefully we'll get a chance to do something again in the future. And, yes. Um, and we'll look forward to um, either the, 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 the new NaNoWriMo book coming out or, or the, the non-fiction one coming out in future after um, the You, Me and the Sea as well. So thank you. Thank you. Well, there you have it, guys. A big thank you to Elizabeth for joining us and giving us that interview earlier. It was a fantastic little chat that I had with her. It's been a pleasure to always do our events that we've done before with Elizabeth, and today was no different. It was a great little insight into what she thinks about libraries and also into her books, including her forthcoming book, which sounds fantastic, and the set in Scotland, which you can't really ask for better than that. So do keep an eye out for that and next year whenever it comes out. Uh, another little reminder of the fact that we have started doing our reopenings, so do check for the latest information at culturenl.co.uk 
slash COVID-19-LibrariesNL for all the latest information to see about our libraries reopening. Um, we do still have BorrowBox up and running as well as normal, so you do have access to books 24-7 through the BorrowBox app. All you need is your library card number and your library password. If you don't know that, you can request it at culturejournal.co.uk slash password request and we'll get that out to you during office hours. You can also leave us feedback on our podcast by using the hashtag, hashtag FLBpodcast and using the email address librarypodcast at culturejournal.co.uk. Watch out for future episodes coming soon, guys. We hope you enjoyed this one and enjoy the rest of Libraries Week. But that's all for us for now, guys. Bye for now. Bye.